0: Shotgun snap, quick throw, caught by Green, it It it, is a touchdown,
1: Adriel,
0: Jeremiah Green.
2: You don't live in Cleveland,
3: you live in Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 99 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast that actually has some football to talk about, it's unbelievable, really, isn't it? After all this time, we can now actually delve into a game, and uh, we lost. So there we go. Good night, everybody. Now uh, joining me to uh, ruminate, to chew the fat, uh, and to talk about yesterday's really tough loss, man, really tough loss. It's Nathan Palmer. Nathan, are you there?
0: I am there, my son. It's been a, it's been a bit of a, a. A rough Monday, shall we say. I've I've been feeling it a bit, you know. It was a long old marathon yesterday from 6 through to about half 12 um, in the morning to experience a fairly gut-wrenching loss. But I'm glad I'm here now to dissect it with you and get some get some stuff off my chest, you know, because I, oh, I feel like I need it.
3: Good Lord. Uh, well, again, we're uh, offering uh, Cincinnati Bengals UK group therapy, as we were last year. Um, It was a very disappointing, as you say, gut-wrenching loss. I don't don't know. It was just like Seattle the year before. Perhaps not quite the same sort of game. In fact, I don't think we played as well uh, in this game yesterday uh, than we did a year ago in Seattle. But it it was another heartbreaking loss, really, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, yeah, I mean, we, we stressed the importance in the last podcast, in the last couple of podcasts, about the Bengals needing to get off to a good start, get some momentum, play well, um, and really come away with a win. You know, you can take whatever positives you want from a game like that, but this business is a ruthless one, and it's about wins. And we know we're not going to be a Super Bowl team this year, but I think you, these are games, for me, that you need to win. And its I think the Bengals did okay, but to lose the game in that manner at the end as we did at home – Is a real shame. And I think all fans are going to be, um, you know, they'll be encouraged. There's obviously positive signs, but you can't help but think that people are going to be a bit sick to their stomach after that one, because we have had a few close losses in the last year and a half. And that was just another one to add to the pile, I think. Uh,
3: Yeah. I mean, to be fair, I do think home advantage is not going to be quite as important or as significant this year because the empty stadia, but I get it. I mean, the Chargers had a poor year last year, although they were uh, a winning playoff team, sorry, playoff team with a winning record the year before, and their defence has got some really good players on it. And yet, Tyrod Taylor's at quarterback. The defence, our defence, pretty much snuffed those guys out. Um, and as ever, you know, it was the offence that. How many times over the past five, six, seven, eight years. Have we said that the defence has bailed out the offence? It seems to be a real theme and I thought that that was the case yesterday. The defence kept us in that game. I think the Chargers got into our red zone sort of three times, um, most notably late in the fourth quarter when, after the Joe Mixon fumble and you kind of thought, God, if they go and convert here, this, this is coffin nails really. And yet the defence held them inside the five. Some fantastic play, even with DJ Reader off the field, you know. Um, So you kind of thought, right, it's now or never. But yeah, the defence played well overall yesterday, I think, don't you think?
0: Yeah, I think if we start with the positives, I thought the defence was excellent. I mean, the Chargers not the most gifted. I mean, they're not a bad team on offense. You know, Tyrod Taylor has been around the league. He's not a bad guy. You've obviously got Eckler there, who was a standout last season. Hunter Henry's always dangerous. And Mike Williams and Keelan Allen are two good um, weapons on the outside. So, I mean, for me, the defence was faultless, like nearly faultless. Apart from not turning out, you know, forcing any big turnovers or re-changing really the game. To hold the Chargers to 16 points, um, they often dealt with poor field position with obviously the fumble um, and the interception at our end. But I just thought they were excellent. DJ Reader played exceptionally well in the absence of Gino Atkins. Same with Mike Daniels. Uh, Jesse Bates had a really good game. I thought William Jackson had a very, very good game. You couldn't have asked for anything more from the defence. They kept us in it. They, they looked like they were playing with real energy and passion. Um, and that's desperately what we needed because we've been so leaky for the last two years. And I thought that showed a real, real resurgence, uh, resurgence. So, yeah, that was the real positive for me to keep the Chargers to 16 points. And if you'd said on the stat line before the game you were going to te- uh, keep Tyrod Taylor... To rushing for six attempts, seven yards, no touchdowns, and passing, you'd have kept him to sixteen out of thirty for two hundred and eight yards, no touchdowns. You would say you'd win that game, and I think it's a it's a real real shame that you know with those stats you could still come out of a loss.
3: Yeah, I agree. And and count, I mean, I mean, we stopped them on twice on fourth down, I think, and there, there was a period of time sort of uh, from the middle of the first quarter until the end of the half, uh, where the two teams just sort of traded, not quite three and outs, but, you know, a stalled drives. And that was, that was because it had turned into a proper defensive battle. And we were sort of toe-to-toe. And, yeah, I have to agree, you know, Jesse Bates played really well. Uh, he showed up all over the pitch. Uh, we, in fact, the whole secondary, and we, we've had real uh, reservations about the secondary. I was certainly quite worried about it, but... The likes of Mackenzie Alexander, um, Darius Phillips to, to a lesser extent perhaps, but you know he held his own, and certainly William Jackson. No one was getting past William Jackson yesterday. He had a terrific game, I thought. Um, so the secondary was a worry, and it played really, really well. I thought the linebackers were quite interesting. All eyes were on our revamped linebacking room, and I think, Overall, they were pretty excellent. You know, Josh Bynes looked good and made a few good, flashy, splashy plays. Jermaine Pratt, I think, led the um, team in tackles. He did uh, uh, with seven tackles. Um, uh, Logan Wilson and Akeem Davis-Gaither came on uh, and they rotated those guys in and they showed up. So I was really pleased with how the linebackers played. And as I say, the defensive line without Gino looked pretty stout, and it's pretty—you know—it's really obvious what DJ Reader is bringing to this team. He's—he's he's like an immovable force. He's like—he's like when you have like uh, the stodgiest meal in the world, and y- it just won't move from your stomach. Do you know what I mean? Um,
0: <laughs> like a brick in your stomach,
3: exactly. And DJ Reader is that brick in the stomach, and uh, <laughs> uh, so as you know, what it, I agree, Mike Daniels looked good as well, and Hubbard had a good game. Lawson was 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 rushing there, so overall it was great. And you know, I think there was a bit made of the fact that I think the Chargers made some adjustments at halftime, and they did get their running game uh, going a little bit. Not quite Eckler, actually. It was. Um, Mind you, he did rush for. That's weird. I thought they had the running game in check, but you look at the stats, and Austin Eckler rushed for 84 yards, and Joshua Kelly rushed for 60. It's like, how did they do that? I don't remember them snapping off any big runs at all. I thought we'd contain those guys, but, um, you know, they did. The Chargers did rush for over 150 yards, which was a slight concern, but then I would say a lot of those yards came after DJ Reader left uh, the game with cramps, so. Um and of course they they kind of they they bent but they didn't break, you know. They they kind of managed to to stuff them when they needed to. Um so overall I think, you know, the defense was terrific.
0: Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the I think that you can't argue with that. Sixteen points, first game of the season, to the charges. That's enough. You say to your offense, go out there and score me more than 16. And you'd hope that at home you could get that done against the Chargers. And it's a real and a real shame. But I think, especially on the Bengals, for me, what stood out on defense, I was really impressed with. Well, like you said, was those linebackers. Jermaine Pratt, not only did he have seven tackles, he had five assists as well. Um, Josh Bynes got a sack and a tackle for a loss. It just looked like more energy. They looked quicker. They just looked like they were getting to the ball a bit quicker. They were making stuff happen. Um, And there's a lot of young guys out there and there was no big errors. There was no blown coverages. There was no, you know, head scratching plays where someone's just completely left wide open. So I was I was really, really overall just so impressed with the defense. And I'm just, you know, desperately hoping they can keep that going because you remember last year in the first game of the season against Seattle. It was a similar theme, you know, playing against Russell Wilson on the road in Seattle. And they played lights out the defense. They really, really did everything they could. And then after that game, they completely fell off a cliff. Now, this is a better, younger defence, and I'm hopeful that you know they're going to be hungry and they're going to be able to keep that momentum going. Um, but just worth noting that, I think.
3: OK, before we... I agree. And what impressed me, I think, like you said, was the intensity that they played. I mean, I think there was one blown coverage uh, late in the second half. But apart from that, they all looked on the same page. They played with speed and intensity. Everyone knew their jobs. Uh, And it looked as though they were a good, coherent unit, you know. So hats off to Lou for sorting that one out. Hopefully they can uh, build on that. And, of course, Gino's back uh, at some stage, hopefully sooner rather than later. Now, before we... That was the good. We're going to go on to the bad in a moment. Uh, But before we do, um, I should say that we do have a special guest. And it is Sports Illustrated's uh, Nicole Zembrot who is uh making her debut on the podcast, which is exciting for everyone. Uh so she'll be coming up a little bit later. But let's get uh let's get to the bad. And I have to say, the bad was the offense, really, apart from that last drive, which was insane, and we'll get on to that. The they just didn't look in sync. They and again, I think it's I'm not quite sure what we were expecting. We certainly weren't uh, expecting perfection. So this kind of, you know, stodgy, difficult to move the ball, that kind of thing. I think it was half expected, really. But um and you know, and you know, they were playing it against Joey Bosa, Melvin Ingram, Linville Joseph, Jerry Tillery up front, and goodness me. They certainly showed up. Uh, in that first half, Burrow was running for his life, wasn't he?
0: Yeah, he was. And obviously a difficult test for that offensive line in the first game. And like you said, against um, the sort of talent on that Chargers defensive front. But I think coming into the season, we all knew the offensive line was a concern. Um, for them to be a coherent, strong unit this year, a lot of stuff needed to happen. A lot of players needed to come on. A lot of players really needed to sort of... Um, play lights out for that unit, even to be sort of among the league's league's average. And as we saw last night, Joe Burrow was on the run a lot. Um, It obviously helps. He's more mobile than Andy Dalton um, and can get around and sort of evade some of that pressure and get the ball out of his hand quite quick. But you really felt that at times he was um, on his skates a bit, sort of, you know, trying to run around and stuff. And you hope that the Chargers defensive front makes the Bengals look, the offensive line look worse than they are and against other teams later in the year it won't be as much of an issue. Um, but you have to remember that's a fully fit, healthy Bengals offensive line. There is no injuries on that line at the moment. That is your starting five. And on the best day, that's what you're getting. So, it, it, It wasn't, I mean, Trey Hopkins, obviously, brilliant block on that run by Burrow. Mm, He had some good plays. I think Bobby Hart was better in the second half. It wasn't that difficult for him to be better in the second half. But, you know, obviously for Jonah Williams, he gave up a big sack. Um, But but I thought thought the
3: the rest of the game, he did not, you didn't notice him, which I think for an offensive lineman is a good thing.
0: I yeah. thought Jonah was quite
3: solid yesterday. It's his pump. first
0: game in the NFL yeah. as well. And you're going up against Joey Bosa. I mean, it's a pretty, uh, you know, pretty difficult task there. It, it, it's going to be interesting to monitor them. I think they are, to use that famous quote, they are who we thought they were. Yeah. Um, but I, you just hope that against lesser opposition um, with a bit more chemistry that they build up as the season goes on, playing together with a lot of new guys in there, that hopefully it will improve.
3: I mean, I haven't looked at the stats yet, but Hart was terrible in that first half. I mean, he really was. But I always mitigate it with the fact that he is up against uh, one of the league's top pass rushers. You know, I was watching Bosa and the speed uh, that he gets off the ball is, inc- off the snap rather, is incredible. I mean, and Hart was just kind of standing there left for dead, you know, on numerous occasions. Uh, Xavier Suofilo gave up a big sack from Jerry Tillery. Again, he just sort of waltzed right by him. I'm okay with the left-hand side of the line. Hopkins, Michael Jordan, we were, you know, we didn't hear his name too often last night, which again, for an offensive lineman, is quite a good thing. I'm okay with that left-hand side of the line. Um, I mean, we always knew that that right-hand side was going to be difficult, and it I mean, it looked pretty awful in the first half. But then they did improve a little bit the second half because the Bengals did get things going a little bit and obviously there were adjustments made uh, at half time. So overall, you've got to give... You could almost grade it sort of left-hand side, right-hand side, really. I'd give the left-hand side a C and uh, the right-hand side a D-minus or something, I would say.
0: Yeah, and I mean, the thing with that line, you talk about the Chargers being a tough test, with obviously a very, very strong line, but you look around the league, there's some bloody good pass rushes out there, and you go against the Browns this week, and you've got Miles Garrett to contend with, um, it doesn't get any easier. So I hope for Joe Burrow's sake um, <laughs> that it does improve and he doesn't have to be running out there because God forbid we don't want the geezer getting injured. Do you know what I mean? Like he's no. the future of this franchise and you, you need him to have some confidence. And I think for Andy Dalton last year, that was something that I noticed with him was that he was even he was seeing ghosts. Even if the line were protecting him, he just didn't have that confidence that he had more than a couple of seconds. And I think for quarterbacks, they need to have the confidence in that line. And with Dalton, you'd often see him start running before the pressure even was there, just because he felt that he needed to buy himself some time and he needed to get outside the pocket. And it's just no good for the mechanics. It's no good for the confidence and um, you know, really sort of sticking to the playbook. So I'm hopeful that Burrow can Get that chemistry of his line and really feel like he's getting protected, but it, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting one to monitor.
3: Yeah, I agree. So let's talk. Well, Joe Mixon played okay, sixty-nine yards on nineteen carries. There wasn't much going on in terms of running lanes in that first half either. But the second half again was an improvement. Uh, I thought Joe Boy. Rushed for 46 yards and a touchdown, as you mentioned. What a great moment to see Joe do that. And it that's exactly what he can do. Uh, by all accounts and uh, listening to him in the press conference, or at least Zach in the press conference afterwards, uh, he said that Joe audibled that. He actually saw that, that the play was on, he audibled, and off he went. And a few times it was like, OK, yeah, yeah, he's, he can do it. He's not like, you know, Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray or whoever. Um but he has got that ability to extend players and uh and I think that was an exciting thing to see. Um let's talk about Joe Boy in more detail. What did you make of him?
0: It's a very it a very sort of it was kind of what you would expect in a first game. I mean, they came out very, very tentative. It was literally like draw up plays for a rookie immediately, you know, really, really super quick pass to the outside to get two yards, just get the ball out of his hands into someone else's hands, get a completion under his belt. Then you had a screen in there. You had a couple of sort of, uh, a couple of slants, nice, easy plays to sort of bed him in, but it did feel a bit predictive and a bit negative at times. I thought, and, I think overall for him I mean he rated himself as a D when the press asked him how would you grade him? I think he gave himself a D. I'd probably give him a C. I thought that he I thought he struggled at times. He missed a couple of big throws. That but that ball to um, AJ Green being the highlight, you know, that changes the game. There you probably win that game if he drops that in AJ Green's basket, who you know had some real good separation there going down the field. So that was a shame. The interception was messy. Um, oh, but that, there was a, there that, was that was awful.
3: Well, let's leave that to the ugly because that was that's definitely going in the ugly category. Yeah,
0: I, I th- and obviously you know we're in the red zone or we're down sort of you know their end of the field there, which I think may you know compounded the mistake. But I, I thought he looked good. I mean, he had some good plays by all accounts. That that audible to the run for the touchdown was genius, um, and obviously the drive at the end really showed that he's got that confidence and the poise and the swagger that we know he has been built to have. So. I think he. I think he played fairly well. I mean, his stat line: twenty-three of thirty-six, one hundred and ninety-three yards, no touchdowns, one interception. Is not going to blow you away. Um, but I. I think overall, there was no. It, it, it was a C. <laughs> that's yeah. About all I can say. You okay.
3: Know? No, I think I agree with that. I, what I liked was there was some real snap when he did get the ball out nicely, and he was targeting AJ Green. Uh, A.J. had five receptions for 51 yards on nine targets. There was a bit of snap to those passes. Uh, and like you said, first half, they obviously kept it quite conservative. They wanted to bed him in, which I think, again, for me, at least, I know there was a few people out there that were sort of going, oh, why are they so too conservative in the game planners? Well, what do you expect? He's a rookie guy, you know, we've got to bed him in a little bit. He can't be going for... Uh, as Jeff Hobson was there, the whole ball of wax straight off the bat, uh, mixing my metaphors there. But um, I expected him to just come out and move the ball kind of short passes. And some of those those passes to AJ were lovely in the first half, I thought. Real snap to them. Uh, And wasn't it, we were talking about him, but we must mention, wasn't it great to have AJ Green back on the field? Again, you know, that was amazing to see.
0: Yeah, and AJ Green is one of those guys that when you see him, you immediately remember the skill and the talent he's got. There was a couple of grabs that he made, which just really showcased his talent. Um, and obviously that catch at the end, I mean, he regardless of whether or not we could debate that till the cows come home as to whether um, it was a cat, a catch or wasn't it a catch, but ultimately, um, you know, he got those two feet in. If that's not called a penalty, that's the game-winning touchdown right there. And there's not many players in the league that can pull that off. You know, beautiful toe-tapping dive, you know, just nice comeback route on the outside, beautiful placement by Burrow on the throw. Um, And you just see AJ Green can do that and he can beat you deep. And defences know that, they respect that. Um, He did it. Obviously, Burrow missed him on the throw. So, you know, nothing crazy on the day. I think it was about 50, 50 50-odd yards for Green and about five catches. But if he can stay healthy, and obviously that's the biggest if, if he can stay healthy, he is that same player we know he is. And he's going to be such an unbelievable weapon for the Bengals going forward.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, they struggled, though, to move that ball. The running game wasn't going. Burrow was pressured pretty much on every play, it seemed, uh, but it was better in the second half, and you're right. Oh, when they did open the playbook up, and they di- he did go deep, he overthrew AJ, which was a shame. That would have been an absolute. It wouldn't have been a moment. He'd scored his first TD, but then thrown an absolutely gorgeous pass, arcing down the field. Well, it must have been for about fifty odd yards. AJ to AJ Green, uh, the uh, the sorcerer and his apprentice. Uh, right there. That would have been lovely, but it wasn't to be. Uh, but the play before, well, let's let's get into the ugly because let's kick this off. I've had some debate with people about this. The play before, he threw into the end zone another long pass. John Ross was right there and the replay showed it, it just went straight through his hands. Now, Joe, uh, Joe Boy in the press conference afterwards blamed himself and said it should have been on his chest but John Ross has got to catch that ball. Why? Oh, I mean, yeah, I mean, I mean maybe I th- it was slightly
0: overthrown, but he has to. That's it went through his hands. He, do you know, it's a, it's a catch that a number one draft pick and a top receiver in the game makes eight times out of ten. And I think that that's the thing with John Ross is we know with John Ross, he he is the most maddening player I think we've had on the Bengals in in that I can remember. He's a guy that's got unbelievable talent, unbelievable speed. He blew past that cornerback for the Chargers and, by all accounts, should make that play. And that's one of those plays, again, it wins you the game. You know, it's a moment of brilliance. It's just something they can't contend with. Beautiful ball by Burrow. You know, maybe it could have come back a few you know, maybe ten inches or something a bit further towards um Ross, just right you know, drop him right in that basket. But you you've got to make that catch. You've got to, and if you can get two hands to the ball, you should make the catch in the NFL with those gloves they've got on that but are the, basically the, made of super glue. Like but, yeah, and that but, again but, wins you the game.
3: The thing is, Nathan, it went through his hands. His hands yeah. were there. And it went through them. He didn't even make contact with the ball and a couple of people online saying it was overthrown and i don't think I, I i think it was overthrown a touch and he was running out of room at the back of the end zone which perhaps was on his mind but it, the ball went through his hands he didn't even make, he didn't even get a fingertip on it it was a terrible mistake i think and you're right again the the enigma of john ross uh is once again rears its head and you do, you so want him to succeed because as you say, he's got all the talent. He's a great guy. He's, he's so quick. He's got it all, but there's just something in terms of concentration at that crucial moment in games. Um, he's the type of guy, and I hate to say this, he's the type of guy. If you get to the Super Bowl, AJ Green's well marked out of the game. Tyler Boyd's getting it, you know, tough as well. Uh, so the quarterback goes to John Ross, and he's the type of guy, and I hate to say this, he's the type of guy that would drop uh, a touchdown pass in the Super Bowl or something catastrophic like
0: that. <laughs> Wait, you're on, you're on it today, son. And you've had enough, own. You're, you're just calling him out.
3: And I, I love John Ross, and I so want him to succeed, but it's like plays yeah, like that. You don't have inf- any
0: confidence in him, dear. That's exactly. that's the issue. And I think that's the issue Marvin Lewis had with him in the first year, where he wasn't playing him as much. He had that fumble on one of his first plays, that end around, and then he was injured and you didn't see much more of him. And I think there was an issue where he was not declaring an injury or something. And I think throughout his time, John Ross, has, he's just been a maddening guy. And, I, you know, I, if I was a team in free agency coming up, I guarantee you there's a ton of coaches out around the league that will say, we can fix that guy. We can train him up. We can get him confident, get him fit, and get him producing. And they might well be right because he's got all the talent in the world. And it it was emphasised again on not only that drop. It's hard calling it a drop, but the not catch in the back of the end zone for that touchdown. There was another play in that game. Beautiful ball by Burrow to the outside. You know, Ross... Difficult play, you know, right on the boundary, but you've got to catch it. You've got to get your two feet in, fumbles it, bobbles it, um, and is ruled back as not being a catch. I think that was on like third down towards the end of the game where you've got to make it. And I think the Bengals converted, so it didn't end up mattering too much. But another play that a good quality wide receiver that's starting in the NFL has got to make nine and a half, ten times out of ten. Um, and you look at his stat line, Ross targeted five times just for two catches for 17 yards. And, you know, that's not a great um, catch percentage right there. So,
3: All yeah, right. let's, it's, let's, we,
0: you know, that's yeah. the criticism of Ross and it rears its head again.
3: Exactly. And it's the same criticism as well. It's nothing new, particularly. OK, let's go. Let's carry on through the uglies. Um the offensive pass interference call. Let's just say I go back to the good again. That last drive by Burrow was sensational. I think I put on Twitter, let's see how big Borough's bollocks are, because it was backs against the wall, time running out, no time I think they, they were on their 18-yard line. The game was absolutely on the line. A Montana-like uh, game-winning drive had to be made, and... Uh, it was just thrilling to watch. I have to say, it was absolutely thrilling. Uh, not le- it, you know. Th- this what that last drive encapsulates why I love this sport. Again, again, it was time running out, plays being made all over the pitch. Suddenly they were in field goal territory. Suddenly they were down to whatever. Geo had that great play where he barreled down the sideline and, and got taken out and dived out of bounds. That was amazing. His son he's like, oh my God, we might win this. Jesus. And um, I thought we did when AJ caught his, like, as you mentioned, a beautiful comeback, little comeback route and uh, a little toe tapping on the sideline. Uh, shenanigans there from AJ. But I have to say, once I saw the replay, I thought it was offensive pass interference. He had, he did push him off. I think uh, but a lot of people are saying it was very marginal. Some people were saying it wasn't. But my first reaction was, yes, that's offensive pass interference.
0: I, th- I think it's one of those that gets given 50% of the time. I think it looks a lot worse in slow motion, as everything does. Um, 50%? one. Well, I think you can you can be annoyed with it, and I think you can argue it either way. Yeah. Um, they get they just they get given sometimes that it's one of those you can't I mean it would have been love I mean it would have been for me the frustrating part with it I'm not going to get up on the call because it like I said it's marginal it's not one of those that sticks out in my mind that is 100% wrong and you cost us the game there you know we had plenty of opportunities to win that game that doesn't come down to a 50-50 call on offensive parts interference but I just think you know with with that that thing at the end mate. green catches that the penalty's not given it's, it probably on review is given as a touchdown. It would have been one of the closest reviews ever in terms of if both of his feet were in. I mean, if you look at it and you zoom in on it, I've had a look at the picture on Twitter. Yeah. He, I mean, it's, it's not even millimeters. I mean, it, it is, it is by the skin of your teeth. If his feet are in, I think they probably, it would have all depended on the uh, the call on the field as to whether or not they could have overturned it. But if the Bengals win that on Joe Burrows, um, on, on, off the back of that drive, I mean, the confidence level and the, the emotional lift that team would have got out of that win would have just been absolutely huge. you could not, I've underestimated that. I mean, Burrow drives the length of the field. He had some really good passes on that drive as well. There was a third and eight to Tyler Boyd for 10 yards, which was a beautiful pass. Um, he ran it himself on a few of them. I think he got um, a pass to John Ross over the middle for about 15. Mm-hmm. He just looked really, really confident in command of the offense, didn't look out of his depth. And I think what really what really sort of... Um, hurt the Bengals a bit on that drive is they started that drive with three minutes left, right? Now, you think that's more than enough time to get down the field. And yeah. the fact that they ran out of time, with, you know, that you start a drive with three minutes, eight seconds on the clock, you shouldn't run out of time. But the reason they did is you got three timeouts that have all been burnt. Yeah, by the fourth, by the fourth quarter, and that's where I think there has to be some criticism there of the coaching staff. Is you can't leave yourself with no timeouts there. if you've not burnt them stopping the clock on the charges. You've just burnt them because either players didn't know where they were, or you know you're trying to. But what do you uh, do in that
3: situation then? Because if you're facing a crucial third down that the, which the Bengals were, and then not lined up properly, you've got to take a timeout,
0: right? But is it surely it's on the coaching staff to make sure they are lined up correctly. Yeah, but they I weren't, mean. but
3: they weren't. That's the fact that, yeah, absolutely, I agree. Uh, that was the maddening thing about Marvin, taking timeouts so early in each game, you know, burning timeouts in the first five minutes of the first quarter, you know, that was my... But my point was, this was late in the fourth quarter. These guys weren't, weren't lined up properly, or they they saw something that they didn't like and didn't have the right personnel on, I mean, it was a crucial third down. What are you going to do?
0: Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. I just think for the Bengals, you know... that is a horrible situation to be in, where you've got the ball, you've not even used your timeouts to stop the clock on them, and you've got none left. And I'm not, I can't remember why the first two were used, but it's just not an optimal situation to be in. And you get down, you know, you you think for the Bengals, they've got a second and ten at the Chargers' thirteen. You pass it to Giovanni Bernard. You get ten yards out of it. You're at the three yard line with about twelve seconds left you've got at least two plays, if not three, if you're throwing it quick, quick to the end zone and don't make any mistakes. Obviously, then you get the penalty, um, which gives you about...
3: Here's a question. I think it was seven seconds left on the clock when they decided to go for that field goal. Um, Would you have gone for another play there?
0: Yes, definitely, yeah.
3: What down was it? Was it third down?
0: It was first and goal. Right. Um, okay. First and goal at the Chargers' 13. Seven seconds left. Obviously, the the risk here is you throw it short of the goal line, yeah, and or you they know they can't someone... line up
3: again to kind of.
0: To yeah, because yeah. immediately when the clock runs out, a play like that—if you've obviously—you'd obviously script it that you get it out of the hands quick. You float it up to the back of the end zone or whatever. But a play shouldn't take seven seconds, especially when you know you've got to get it out quick. I would have—I think that's where you play positive and you play to win. I, I think you had just about enough time there um, to throw it to maybe Uzama, like a big guy down the middle, maybe an Alden Tate. To oh, I would—I would have lined up
3: uh, CJ. On that right hand left hand side I would have had CJ, AJ, Alden
0: Tate, Alden yeah.
3: Tate and T Higgins and I would just sort of faded the f out of it. Just like yeah. got it up there and it's like right off you go, lads, jump jump up for that. Because there's some and seriously nor- tall normally, lads up there.
0: A hundred percent. And normally on those fades, you'd say say you say you decided, right, Alden Tate's the biggest geezer on the field. You say to Alden Tate, if you ain't getting near it by all accounts, commit offensive pass interference. Like, do you just do what you need to yeah, do yeah, so that yeah, that yeah. geezer doesn't intercept the ball. Um, and I think that, that would have been a positive move. Like, you know, I, I get the, the... Probably if you looked at the stat book and what should you do and let's not be silly here and let's not, you know, throw it <laughs> away. It's a chip shot field goal, but... Crazy things like what happened, happen. And I think for the Bengals, the Bengals were the better team in that game. They weren't great by any means. I think they just
3: shaded it, I have to say. I think think we just shaded it. I think it was a very even game, I have to say.
0: Yeah, but I I just think for that situation, that's where you've got to play a little bit more positively and um, really, really sort of um, go for the throat a bit there, you know. Yeah,
3: I I tend to agree with you. Is it worth talking about Randy? I don't think it is because it's just he nailed two field goals, one for fifty yards. That was just a, I mean, that was just a heartbreaker at the end. And as you say, crazy things do happen regularly in the NFL, and we just had a crazy one uh, happen to us, and we've just got to eat it. Really, um, yes, there, I think there are discussions going forward about Randy Bullock's future with the team, but i I think I, it's I no point. I don't think there's any point going back into it, really. It's just one of those stupid, ridiculous that doesn't happen very often. I have to say,
0: no, and I mean even I, with I, Randy Bullock, you know i've I've been a big critic of Randy Bullock and midway through that game where he bashed that one through from fifty. This was always a tight game. You always felt like this game was going to come down to a field goal either way. It wasn't going to be one by one by three touchdowns. It was a nail-biter. And what he knocked those two through from 40-plus... He knocked him straight down the middle, he had distance on him, he played really well at the end of the back end of last year, I think he knocked him on from 56 or 57 or something ridiculous like that, and I sent out a tweet, and I was like, you know, you've got to be fair play to the geezer, like, if you sit there and you criticise someone on a podcast or anything, and you say that you think they're below average, blah, 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 you've got to hold up your hands, and I said to him, look, he's been fantastic for the last year and a half, I think... The only thing I would say is that he's been playing for a team that have not been competitive, and that's one of the biggest attributes of a kicker. is having a bollocks, like Joe Burrow, that when the going gets tough and the pressure's on and you're in a game that matters and you know there's really a lot riding on your kicks, that's when you've got to show up and make the, the plays. It's all well and good knocking them through for a team that's 2-14 and 14, um, or whatever we've been over the last couple of years. But when we're 0-0... You've got a field goal to take the game to overtime and it's a chip shot from 31 yards. That's when you've got to make it. And he's missed one for us in the past against the Texans um, when the game was on the line, put it wide right. But he's also um, scored
3: one against Tampa Bay and I think this is the life of a kicker, quite frankly. Yeah. There's only, just, a, there's only you can count on one hand the amount of kickers in the NFL who you would trust with yeah, your life.
0: And the rest of Randy it, it just, looks, you know, it's, he's, it's he's always going to have that, comparison to Jake Elliott, if Jake Elliott didn't exist and we hadn't drafted him and it was just Bullock, people would have a different opinion. But I think the fact there was an exciting young kicker with a big leg who's gone on to win a Super Bowl and kick some big, big ballsy field goals in the playoffs during that run. People are always going to say, well, look, we could have had that. And Jake Elliott, I mean, I watched Jake Elliott miss a field goal yesterday from 52 yards that fell short. I mean, he's by no means the complete package but I think that there's always going to be that comparison between him and Bullock and that doesn't help Randy. I mean, it's hard. I'm not going to sit here and just bash Bullock because like you said, there's no need to do it. And I hope he comes back stronger from it. But I think it's more just that for the Bengals, we've been in so many nail-biting games over the last year or two. I mean, especially last year at the start of the year, after that Seattle game, which was really, really close, and we definitely could have won that. We had some other tight games. We had a tight game against the Bills, yeah. um, which we could have won that. There was a few other games in the middle of the season that you know were less than one score games. We weren't getting blown out every game. We did get blown out, but there was games that we could have won. And I just think for this team and these players, there's a lot of players here that have been here for more than a year, more than two years, and they just want to win a football game. You know, this this constant losing, 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 it weighs on your mind. It gets you down. It pisses you off. And I just think for the Bengals, with a new era, with a new quarterback, in a very bizarre situation at home, with no fans there, and a few carpool cutouts... You had an opportunity against another pretty bad team. I mean, You said it at the start of the podcast. The Chargers won five games last year. They've got a quarterback that's never started for, uh, for them before in Tyrod Taylor. They've got their best player on defense, Derwin James, or not, maybe not their best player, but certainly a very, very talented player out. Their offensive line, there's two guys there out, Mike Pouncey and the right guard were both out, who were both starters. We've got a fully fit team apart from Gino and Sean Williams, like pretty much as good as you could get, uh, apart from obviously Trey Waynes, but pretty much certainly on offense, that is your full unit. There's not one geezer missing out there. And I just think that we needed to win that game. We really, really needed to win that game.
3: Well, it's a marathon, not a sprint, Nathan. Let's hope they can bounce back on Thursday. We do have a packed show. As you can imagine, the correspondents are going through the roof. So we've uh, we also got a fantastic episode or instalment of First and Ten coming up. So there's still a lot to get through. Let's bring Nicole in, shall we? And now joining us, as promised, is Sports Illustrator, making a debut on the podcast, which is exciting for for me and no doubt for her. It's Sports Illustrated, Nicole Zimbrot. Uh, Nicole, good morning to you. You're, it is morning where you are, right?
1: It is morning. Bright and early, got my cup of tea. Thank you so much for having me on today.
3: You're welcome. I like the cup of tea uh, yes. addition there. makes me... You obviously knew that you were coming on to a british podcast so uh (laughs) uh, it's good to see you supping away on and welcome to the folder so we we've had uh marissa we were lucky uh with the cincinnati media there's uh, we do do like to balance things out and it's always good to get uh, a female on we're very lucky with cincinnati media that it is quite a nice gender balance there so uh, you're very welcome and hopefully this will be the the first of many times that you can come on um so it is the morning after, for us, the night before, is that right? Yeah, the, the night before. <laughs> the for my you. My brain isn't quite working still. But um, uh, how are you feeling this morning? Uh, you've had a chance to sleep on things. You were there at PBS yesterday, I'm guessing. Um, I
1: actually was not. Oh, okay. It was just from our crew. It was just James. Okay, James-
3: right, yeah. The yes. lovely James Rapine. Um, yes. um But you've had a, a chance to sleep on things. Um, have... have Is your uh, – are your thoughts the same as they were last night or have you sort of mellowed? Because there's a lot of angry Bengals fans out there. But equally, there's a lot of Bengals fans who liked what they saw. Which which camp do you fall into?
1: I fall with the latter. I definitely – like, obviously, there were some – points where you know they do need some improvement especially along that offensive line but I thought the O-line played a lot better in the second half they gave Joe a lot more time in the second half in the pocket than they did in the first half and just Joe's poise in general throughout the whole game I thought that was something he didn't play like a rookie yesterday he really came back from his interception and led the team down and it was just unfortunate that the game ended the way it did with uh the missed field goal
2: Mm.
3: well yeah it was very i mean staggering really when you think about it 31 yard field goal but um were you i mean you you've you've probably seen joe up close Mm -hmm. uh when you've been on the practice field and all the rest of it um were you expecting that kind of poise and did he did he kind of exceed expectations in a way even though we lost the game which is a weird thing to to say we did lose the game we have to reiterate that but in terms of joe's performance was that something that you were expecting
1: i was definitely expecting more like i think the difference was he just came out and he played every snap like it counted And I was definitely expecting something, but his energy and his leadership definitely showed yesterday.
3: Mm. And that last drive in particular, I mean, we were talking just off air a moment ago, he did make some rookie mistakes and Mm at times he looked like a rookie, which is to be, well, he is a rookie, so it's to be expected. But that last drive, that was something else, wasn't it?
1: Oh my gosh. Like, I mean, even A.J. Green, so many of the players praised his performance afterwards and, again, just said that wasn't a rookie uh, showing. That wasn't um, what you would think from someone who – that was his first game, no preseason, nothing, and he was able to co down and lead the team to an almost winning drive. Is something special and something to look forward to in the future.
3: Mm. Yeah, well, we hope so. The hope is that he can build it, build up his confidence. Comp- He's obviously got that kind of—I don't know what you call it—that sort of determination, that kind of that those guts, really. Um, that he can. Right,
1: and you saw of- it at LSU, and right. with yet last year's performance, and guts is a perfect way. He's got those guts, and I'm really looking forward to the transition of it to the big stage now.
3: I mean that was a top ten defense as well against San Diego, I think people right. kind of forget that. And Even both with, Ingram and uh, Cam yeah. Haywood and people like that, you know. Uh, so to I don't know, uh, yeah, I've got to put it into perspective, really. I think, haven't you?
1: Right, a lot of people when uh, Darwin James went down with his injury, kind of were like, "Oh, he's the best player on the on te- uh, their defense," and it was yeah, he is, but they're loaded in the secondary ingram Bosa on the line um they have a very good defense and for bro to come out and play against that defense the way he did again just it gives you hope and something for him to build off of moving forward uh
3: what about the other side of the ball um we were all a bit worried that um Perhaps the defense with all the new additions didn't have time to gel. Didn't, you know, didn't really have, again, like any team throughout this off season where they were conducting zoom meetings and uh, having, you know, limited practice time. How did you think the defense plays? Who, who caught your eye on that side of the ball?
1: I thought the defense played really well. Um, I think the, top performers for me were Jesse Bates. He played center field, and he had a couple of penalties that, in my opinion, um, he adjusted himself well enough that should not have been called against him. Mm. I also thought William Jackson played really well. He played aggressive, and I thought it was the best game that he has played in a couple of years. And then... Uh, just with the defense they did allow 155 yards on the ground but they came up when they needed to to make those big stops and that's what Sam Hubbard said yesterday in his presser that um, they made the stops when it was needed and they did they held them to field goals and it could have been a lot worse than that just for how deep they were in to the red zone for many of their scoring opportunities.
3: Yeah, I mean, that that last drive that the Chargers had um, where they got a, such a huge third down stop and had to kick a field goal. I think it was after the mix and fumble, wasn't it, when
0: you, mm-hmm. they yes. kind of was, down.
3: you thought, oh, my goodness, this is, as Lap would say, coffin nails here. But um, they made the stop, which was, I mean, I, I thought the defense played pretty well yesterday.
1: Right. I think uh, that the... Their answer after Mixon's fumble was a a key defining moment of the game because Mm. they could have allowed that uh, touchdown and probably would have put the game away, but they didn't. And it gave the offense the opportunity to come back in the game.
3: Mm. So, I mean, with all that being said, it's a quick turnaround to Cleveland who looked by all accounts horrible yesterday uh, which is i mean you love to see it don't you really um but, um, <laughs> um, um where what do you what are you expecting on thursday i so, say you know hopefully dj reader will be back
1: he, like our i hope we can our injuries aren't as bad as they looked yesterday uh readers seem to have cramping problems mike daniels came off um had problems lingering through the whole week with his groin, um, who knows the status of Gino? Um, we do have a quick turnaround, and I rem- like guys do not necessarily like these Thursday night games just because they it's four day turnaround and they don't mm. have that time to rest, but they do get a mini buy afterwards. But it's always hard to play on that Thursday night. Um, just looking into that Cleveland and Baltimore game, it actually seemed. The score 38 to 6 is not close, but statistically, the Browns were only uh, hit, put up 71 yards less than the Ravens, and mm. it seemed a lot farther than it was, but the Browns just seemed to not be able to, um, to uh, go on their. They had a lot of errors. Sorry, losing my words right now. They had a lot of errors. They had an interception and two fumbles. Um, then they had a missed field goal and missed extra point. And the Ravens just seemed to capitalize on all of their mistakes. And with the way that our defense, we played well yesterday and we had our big stops. But I would like to see some more turnovers. Uh, and hopefully that can be a key in this game on Thursday night
3: uh absolutely i agree i think even though the defense played really well yesterday um
1: mm-hmm.
3: i think you're right a turnerover two wouldn't wouldn't have uh wouldn't have harmed matters just on a general point nicole um you're a, a local lass and uh, in Cincinnati and north kentucky um what's the what's the i mean it's going to take a little bit more to really dampen the excitement because i think fans saw enough yesterday to to continue to be excited about the future what's the what's the vibe been like around town and uh and the area
1: like you said i'm born and raised here i don't think people have been this excited about Bengals football in since marvin's playoffs runs like um they know that there's something special happening with joe burrow and zach taylor and there's just something different in the air in Cincinnati this off season, and even going through Twitter mentions. And like you said earlier, it seemed to be a lot of angry fans and it seemed to be a lot of like happy, hopeful fans. And I think the majority of the fan base is that happy, hopeful that they finally have this new beginning that Joe Burrow can take them to the next step, win a playoff game, take them to the big game and win that Super Bowl.
3: Mm, that would be so can you imagine cincinnati if they ever got to the super bowl again oh Goodness my
1: gosh <laughs> we would go crazy
3: i'm so coming over to cincinnati i've always said if they yes, ever
1: you have I, to you have to
3: i remember i was a, I was a, I was a young t- sort of early teenage person when they last got to the super bowl and i remember it well um but i it would i mean i've always said if they ever got back to the super bowl i wouldn't actually care about going to the super bowl I would actually like to spend that in Cincinnati just to kind of experience it with the locals, you know, because I think that would be incredible.
1: Definitely. You're more than welcome. Bring everyone from the UK over with you too. Uh,
3: Okay. I'll I'll just hire a player do that then. Um, uh, Just also, we were talking about um, uh, the the city's, you've got a German name, you've got German heritage, uh I'm interested you mentioned a festival what what was it again it was Zim-
1: zin 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 yes right, okay
3: so when does that take place ordinarily
1: usually in september
3: okay and and that's not happening this year in in town yeah. or no
1: unfortunately okay.
3: so as a as a as a as a woman with with um a german family how will you will you be celebrating that or is that just something that's kind of cooked up as a sort of a citywide thing?
1: A citywide thing. Um, Definitely we do as a family like to celebrate um, our heritage, but uh, like my other side of the family is very Italian and we honestly do. Yes. Uh, We honestly celebrate that heritage more than the German, but we do have our, uh for my dad's birthday every year have a sauerkraut meal um (laughs) so that is a big celebration in our family too uh
3: well i hope you get to to dig into that big bowl of sauerkraut and uh and the beer and the sausage and all sorts of things um uh nicole thank you so much for joining us um again uh it's so great that we've got a really nice gender balance with uh cincinnati media so uh, i was excited to talk to you and and welcome you into the fray as if you needed that kind of validation from us but um thank you for joining us
1: thank you for having me
3: and do come back again won't you
1: absolutely anytime
3: there you go that was the excellent nicole zembrot from sports illustrated and she let me know actually we talked a bit about uh, cincinnati the german uh, festival, which is kind of October fest-y, uh, you know, steins of beer, massive sausages uh, and lederhosen, which sounds like a good night to me. Um, uh, people normally pay for that kind of thing down in Soho, don't they? A big sausage <laughs> and lederhosen. But anyway... Um, However, Nicole has let me know after the interview, that's very nice of her, that Oktoberfest Cincinnati is actually going to be virtual this year. So anybody can hop on. Uh, It takes place between September the 18th, so at the end of this week, uh, 18th to the 27th. It's all around Cincinnati. What a great opportunity to see if you haven't seen Cincinnati or you kind of want to have a closer look at some of the bars and bits and pieces going on. uh, You can actually uh, have a look uh, and it is uh, OktoberfestZincinati.com. So that's October uh, with K in there. Oktoberfest Zincinati. com. Uh And you can have a look at details. Not quite sure what's going on there, but I'm sure there's going to be lots of uh, hilarious German based entertainment. Um, yes, there's a big umpire sort of tuba on the i do like a bit of umpire music you like a bit of umpire music nathan
0: i can't say uh, i've known too much umpire music my son i think, but, I, think um... I think
3: big moustaches hosen, and a tuba could be your uh could be uh your outfit of choice going out into <laughs> into your trendy <laughs> hipster london places listen we have got a lot of con- uh correspondence to get through so uh, we shall do that. I must also thank everyone for tuning into our first uh, online Tower Gate on Sunday. Uh, it was chaos, but it was kind of good fun as well. Jim Foster joined us, and of course, Bengals captain Jeremy Conley and Jess as well were good enough to drop by, and plenty of others dropped in as well. Stuart Baird uh, dropped his trousers, which uh, is not uh, unusual for Stuart. Anyway, let's get through these. Uh, correspondence I mean I would be here I'm not I can't read them all out because uh, we would be here all night long as Lionel Richie once uh, said Um, Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore okay had a sleep on the game and whilst we need to score more than 13 there is lots to be encouraged by the D was frisky the O looked like it might have an identity if you look at how they ended things need more from mixon and aj but i think we will be better
0: there you go uh he's right with mixon we haven't we didn't talk about the mixon fumble but i mean that was pretty catastrophic you talk about burrow's interception you know not being great but that fumble from mixon really turned the game cuz so you just hand them the ball um down by the you know down in the red zone i know the bengal's defense Ben, I'd say Ben, Ben did, but didn't break. <laughs> yeah, I know what but, you mean. It's um, a funny
3: word. It's a, you want to say bent, but not break, but it doesn't sound right when you say it, right?
0: Bent, but didn't break. Yeah, yeah. Know, anyway, but yeah, the Bengals' defense did a good job. But for Mixon, you know, this is what I said, this what I said in last week's episode. He's just been given a big deal. He needs to be playing like a running back. There's a top five geezer. And for him, you know, I think he had about 50 odd yards a fumble at nothing in the receiving game. He's just got to step that up. You know, like I think I'm sorry, 69 yards, just looking yeah. at it now, 3.6 yard average. He's got to play. He's got to help his quarterback out. He's got to have some big runs. I don't think he was particularly bad. But if you're paying a geezer that sort of money and we're going to be comparing him to Saquon Barkley and Alvin Kamara and Dalvin Cook and some of these great running backs, even guys like Josh Jacobs, who's just out there yesterday for the yeah, Raiders. Yeah, a great game, it? Yeah, yeah. You know, you've got to have someone like Mixon really putting on a show. And I think yesterday he had his opportunities. There's nothing in the passing game and he costs us, a, you know, dearly with that, that fumble. I want to see more from him when it matters. I don't want to see him when we're, you know, three and ten. Putting up 150-yard games and justifying it, there he needs to play well when we're competitive and we're in contention.
3: Yeah, I don't disagree with that, but I also also say there wasn't there weren't you know there many running lanes to go through in that first half. And again, it's not his fault if he's not being passed the ball. It's the you know the plays that are drawn up. Do you know what I mean?
0: Um, I think it's a bit of both. I mean, you look at Austin Eckley yesterday. He had 84 yards. You know, slightly more there. Um, that Joshua Kelly, who you know, I'm sure not many people had heard of from before yesterday, is rushing for five yards of carry, sixty yards and a touchdown, and looked good. And that's with a lot of backups starting on that Chargers offensive line. So I think it's a bit of bit of both. And I, I just think for Mixon, he's, get, he's got a big few games coming up. Bengals need to be competitive, and he's you know certainly regarded as the, one of the top players on that team. Him and AJ, like Simon said are the geezers that are going to got to lead this team. They've been on the team for a while. uh, They're veterans and they need to play well. If if we're going to win any games, they're going to be the geezers that are pulling us over the line.
3: What I did notice is in the first half, they did that whole kind of, you know, shotgun, almost RPOs semi thing where, you know, Burrow would be snap the ball in a shotgun formation and Mixon would be handed the ball almost like a quarterback draw. I hate that. I really do. Oh, I hate it as well. But it was, I hate. it was noticeable when Mixon was doing better in the second half, the offensive line was doing better. They were, you know, Burrow was under centre a lot more, I noticed. Um, uh, yeah, I, it's just one of those things, isn't it, really? Um, I don't like that whole kind of shotgun handoff scenario at all. Um, but there we go. And, under, you know, I'm not worried about Joe Mixon. I'm certainly not worried about the fumble. If he fumbled like twice a season, three times a season, then you'd have a bit of a question. If he turned into Jeremy Hill, then you'd be a bit worried. But, <laughs> but he's, I don't think he's fumbled since his rookie year. So. No,
0: you, you certainly, yeah. that, that I completely agree. I mean, that's one thing you have to give Joe Mixon a huge amount of credit for. That's his first fumble in God knows how long. Exactly. Um, I think he had the longest streak in the NFL up till then. So, You know, he's trying to make a play happen. It happens, you know, around the league. Running backs fumble all the time. But like I said, the time is now for Joe Mixon.
3: Indeed. Quoting from our fan video there, Nathan, I like it. Uh, (laughs) Michael Fisher at Cosmic Sausage 77.
0: Solid handle. Good
3: to have the sausage back. Uh, Gut-wrenching loss for the Bengals. But here are my positive takes. Positives. Defence looked really good. No massive chunk plays like the last few years. Jesse Bates looked really sharp. AJ played. Randy Bullock hit long field goals. Burrow looks the real deal already. Uh, Now the negatives. Bobby Hart still looking like Bobby Hart. Randy missing a tying field goal. Chip shot and potentially getting injured in the process. OL not giving Burrow enough protection. That said, a really positive 6 out of 10 start for me. And really unlucky not to get the win. That's quite uh, that's uh, you know it's quite positive. VB at Von Blade,
0: solid handle.
3: D was great. Last drive showed everything we thought Burrow was. Mixon is a beast. Receiver's great. Huber cannon negative. That shovel pass. Poor Mixon having that as a fumble in his stats. Injuries and Bobby fucking heart. I think that sort of encapsulates what a lot of people are, you know, saying. And kudos to Huber. Hoobs had a terrific game yesterday. He was really kicking that. He was really punting well
0: yesterday, and it was great to see Brandon. He was Kevin Hoover just like what's the Geese have been doing in the off season, like with that leg of his. He was absolutely booming them down the field. Like honestly, if the special teams Gunners yeah. had been playing slightly better, he had a couple of them like pinned down on the goal line. Like he had a seventy yard at the Geese. Like, yeah, what's wrong yeah. with him? He's meant to be getting older, and his leg strength's meant to be dying off. He was absolutely crashing him off his foot.
3: Absolutely, it was great, wasn't it? And also great to see Brandon Wilson uh, flying. He had one terrific um, uh, return. Whether it was, I don't know. I think it was kickoff return, wasn't it? Maybe. Uh, I,
0: I I really miss those kickoff returns. I completely yeah. understand the safety aspect of it, but I really miss those um, those returns. They added such an exciting element to the game.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. Andrew Docker and Dockers. 77, just about to fly, because he's been in Copenhagen, Uh, heartbroken that we didn't get the Hollywood finish, brain fart from AJ in my opinion, he knows he can't extend the arms and get away with the push, keeps it to a little bent arm push and still catches it, but this time it counts. Um, Again, I tend to agree with him, really. Um, Bianca Verde at Bianca Verde underscore. Solid handle. Going to get fed up listening to how Bobby Hart has the smarts or has a high football IQ or any of the other drivel. He's clearly a poor right tackle and has been for some time. I would rejoice if he got better, but I just can't see it. Feels like I'm being gaslighted. Uh, I think there are a lot of people out there who feel the same. Uh, Thierry at Jambo Dez. Solid handle. (laughs) A few first game nerves, but Burrow will get in his stride. He adapted pretty well to the pass rush, though. You're right that Hart played like he wants to get Joe killed. Defense was a big positive yesterday. Jim at D Witness, we did okay, but lost to a poor Chargers team. The final draft was very encouraging, and what a throw and catch on the correct OPI call. Question: Do you agree with my defensive MVP of Josh Bynes? And were you concerned about how bad we looked without Reader against the run? Um, Bynes is certainly uh, certainly had a good debut yesterday, and yeah, it was a bit concerning because they were starting to rack up the yards. But again, uh, they kind of stopped them when they needed to. So it's just a question of um, hoping that continues. But we're we're going to be playing Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt this week. It's a bit of a different proposition to.
0: Mate, I, I t- oh, I'll see, tell you what. Go on, tell one, me. One, one thing we ain't talked about when DJ Reader got carted off that field, I was, I would, I was felt like I was going to be sick. <laughs> I literally felt like I was going to vomit. I was so angry because I was like, this geezer's is obviously quality. He's the biggest free agent we've probably ever signed since I've been a Bengals fan. He playing fantastically yesterday, and the geezer's being carted off. When that guy came out and he's like, oh, yeah, DJ Reader's probable to return. He's just got a cramp. Oh, mate, I was so happy about that. Because if we can get Geno Atkins playing 100% alongside DJ Reader playing at 100%, that line is going to be absolutely ferocious. I mean, it really is. I mean, they're yeah. two of the best tackles in the NFL. Like, you've got DJ Reader's run-stopping prowess. You've got Atkins' ability to rush the quarterback. You've got some fantastic rotation. I mean, Carl Lawson had a sack yesterday. He's healthy for the first time ever. You know, that line could be devastating with Geno back. So, yeah, obviously, Mike, Mike Daniels also a good rotational piece. Yes, so, I agree. Yeah, I'm excited about that line. I just really hope that injury for Gino is not too serious. Yeah.
3: Martin at Martin Greer 73 thought the defense did more than enough to win us the game, which is encouraging. Everybody knows it's sort. Uh, everybody knows sort out the offensive line, and we will win games. On to Cleveland. Who day love the online tailgate? Cheers, Martin. Jamie at Trekkite Beast. So glad to have the Bengals back, and don't even mind the Bengalish end. The Bullock is on very thin ice. We saw the potential of what Joe Burrow can be for us, and we were in that game for the entire time. The defence looks mean and angry and not to mention lean and hungry. On the negative side, we cannot keep rolling Bobby Hart out there at tackle. He's a risk to Burrow's health. Get Fred or Hakim in. And we can see what they can do. Uh, that's not going to happen, is it? For a couple of games, you know, and that's not going to until later. I, late I
0: really, I really don't think we've had a player that's been as universally critiqued as Bobby Hart. I really no, don't. Think maybe have. Bodine, Russell Bodine. Yes, yeah, fair. I, but I mean, I think Hart. It takes the biscuit though. The geezer, like, because Bodine at least off the field didn't didn't um, wasn't particularly controversial. I think that added to Hart's play. It's just not. It's not like the most inspiring thing in the world, is it? I, I almost feel bad for the geezer.
3: Yeah, I agree. Matt Gibbs at Wakey Ram, very solid f- handle. Very frustrating game. The first half was, uh, first half uh, offensive line was horrific, and slightly better in the second. But our new Q- QB deserves better than that. Uh, there's hope, but it's the Jim Turner that will kill you. Um, well, let's take a break. Uh, there's more rage. There's more angst. There's more actually quite balanced critique of yesterday's game, which I'm quite pleased about. Uh, but we're going to play first and ten. Right. Uh, joining us now for first and ten is Danny Hawkins from Maidenhead, which uh, for American listeners is kind of what
2: 15 miles west of London, you'd say, Danny? Yeah, not too far out out of the suburbs. Yeah.
3: Good. Because uh, we heard from Danny uh, last week in our. Uh, uh, season preview episode but he's put his hand up and he fancies a bit of first and 10 action now. Uh Danny obviously the markers have been laid down by Marissa Belly <laughs> and Duncan Price and Jeff, Jeff scored a touchdown last week but
2: Uncle Jeff yeah.
3: you've got to, you know, Uncle Jeff you've got to beat nine questions. So um are you ready to play first and 10 Danny?
2: Yeah, so the rules are the same, nothing's changed, and am I gonna am I entitled to any help like Marissa got? No, or... shut up, you. Uh, <laughs> no
3: Right, Danny, as you say the rules haven't changed, which are The people who are just tuning in uh, this uh, week for the first time. So, as Danny said, the rules haven't changed. Each player gets twelve questions to move the ball eighty yards, and that player starts off at his or her own twenty-yard line. And uh, with each down, uh, they get a choice of questions: Uh, a five-yard gain, which is an easy question; a ten-yard gain, which is an intermediate question. I'm nicking that phrase off Jeff from last week. And a touchdown, wherever you are on the field, a touchdown, and that is a super hard question. So, uh, Danny, let's go. What are you going for, on your own, first and ten?
2: Well, contrary to my own sensible approach to life, I'm going to go for it all. So I'm going to do a deep post pattern to to John Ross, over the middle, and a touchdown. So I'm going to go for the big one. I
3: always get very... For the
2: toughie.
3: Okay. Which is the hottest – this is a big one, Danny, because if you score, this game is (laughs) the quickest game in history, and no one else can beat you, which kind of makes the theory redundant. But let's see, I applaud your boldness. Uh, It's Sam Weich-like in its boldness, let me say, on the offensive side of the ball. Um, Which is the hottest planet in the solar system?
2: Crikey.
3: Um... Oh, balls. It's not balls, I'm afraid. <laughs> <ones>. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, no, that wasn't
2: the answer. Um...
3: Saturn. I'm afraid not. It's Venus. But, second and sorry. ten. What are you going I'll, to uh, two? Still on your own? 20- I've, I've,
2: been, I've been humbled now, so I'll go for an easy. Okay.
3: <laughs> what number jersey does A.J. Green wear?
2: 18,
3: 1-8. Eight. Third and five, question three from the
2: 25. Yeah, easy one again just to get me another first down.
3: Which iconic TV show feature the characters Samantha, Carrie, Cynthia and Charlotte?
2: Iconic TV show? Samantha, Charlotte...
3: Carrie and
2: Cynthia. Oh, crikey. Charlie's Angels. I don't know.
3: No, it is... Sex and the City.
2: Oh, right there. Fourth down and five. Oh, this is... Oh, i still got to go for an easy just to... Okay. So get this. I'm all okay. If I don't, wave goodbye, right? Okay. Easy, please.
3: Kim Jong-un is the leader of which country? Ah. North Korea. Correct. Right, first and ten from the thirty, you're on to question five.
2: I'll go... medium. Intermediary.
3: Okay. Which Williams sister has won more Grand Slam titles? Serena. Correct. First and ten, at the forty, question six now, Danny. Another big one. Yeah. And then the biggie? Yeah. Are you sure?
2: No, right. but no. I'll <laughs> give it a go. <laughs>
3: right. Let's go so for From your own 40. Which is the hottest... No, you've had that question. What <laughs> year was the iPhone launched? What year was the iPhone launched?
2: Oh! Um, 2007 s- or 8. I'll go for 7 um... Seven. It is a touchdown! It is... Oh! Danny Hawkins
3: taking the lead. He stepped back, he surveyed the field, and chucked <laughs> it down the field. What is that, a 60-yard touchdown? Six questions. Danny Hawkins' His boldness has been rewarded. Danny, you must be feeling elated.
2: Over the moon, Brian. Over the moon. Yeah. <laughs> ah, the, uh, I wish I had the iPhone question first of all. Then not the. I uh... know,
3: right? Uh, well, uh, congratulations. You you leapfrog Marissa and Duncan to the top of the leaderboard. Uh, You've got that touchdown
2: in six question on your sixth question. That's brilliant, Danny. Well done, mate. Ah, there's a fluke. I was going to say 2008 because I was trying to think the iPhone 10 was 10 years or something. When was that out? so. It was a fluke, really.
3: You were bold bold throughout your uh, drive there, which I liked very much. Well, Danny, thank you so much. Uh, We hope that uh, the Bengals are similarly bold and uh, successful on offence throughout the season. Uh, Yeah,
2: likewise. We
3: will speak to you soon.
2: Cheers, Paul. Have a good day.
3: So there we go. Danny Hawkins is now leader in the clubhouse with a six-question touchdown. How about that? That's, that's going to take some beating, I think.
0: Well, I haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, my son, so I'm going to see if you're giving him like questions like, what's four plus four um, <laughs> to protect the Bengals' <laughs> end zone before I can I, judge. But I don't, it was a um,
3: good, Martin was bold. He went for it straight away, then dialled back and then went for it. Yeah, it I think it was the most exciting first and ten we've had. So, go.
0: To, to match the Bengals Chargers game, just as exciting on Cincinnati. Exactly. Uh, didn't you Didn't you just like
3: last night, though, watching that game? It's like, oh, oh yeah, mate. this is what it feels like again to be a Bengals Honestly, fan. Mate, Complete I was, roller coaster, tension I was, like anything.
0: stood up <laughs> with my hands on my bollocks when Green caught that ball, and I thought he'd done it, and I shouted out, he's done it and like you just don't get those moments it's been such a shit year with the pandemic and everything else and yeah, i think yeah. there's nothing more exciting than watching um the bengals and i think even more so when we've been pretty bad for a long time you don't see those competitive exciting games and you know if aj green comes down without the flag doesn't come out the bengals win that game every single bengals fan listening to this podcast is walking with a skip in their step today They're in a good mood you're watching the highlights you see you you know you're reading every bit of coverage, you're listening to this podcast, you know, you're loving life. And that is the incredible euphoric feeling that a Bengals win gives you.
3: Well, it's just a shame we we I can hardly remember what that uh, feeling feels like, really. <laughs> um, uh, you, uh, by the way, you can get in touch with us, of course. We're here for the whole season, as we have been throughout the whole off-season. Uh, you can get us on uh, uh, Twitter at whooday
0: underscore UK. Bengals, so, so just can I make one point? Go right? on. You just made an interesting one there about what that feels like for a win. The last Bengals win that I would say mattered to the point where we were competitive and it was like a good win... Was that Bengals UK meetup at the blueout yeah, in yeah. Highbury and Islington? That was literally the last win that we got that I would say made any had any sort of like it was a real good win to get under our belt. Since that game, I mean last season, you can just rule it out. There wasn't a good win in there at all. It was just you know throwaway games at the end of the season. And you know, the season obviously went we won won this year, yeah. And that year after that game against the Bucks, we completely capitulated. So literally when we were all running around in the brew house and yeah. Randy Bullock kicked the winner, like that literally was the last big win. And you think how long ago that feels oh, like well, that's
3: two years ago, isn't it, really? Yeah, so. literally, yeah. Oh, thanks, Nathan. Cheers. Um Right, as I say, you can get hold of us uh on Twitter at day underscore UK, Bengals UK on Facebook And now, of course, Bengals UK on the YouTube. Um, Here we got here. Martin Calladine at Ugly Game. Um, Can't not be excited by what we saw from Burrow. He panicked and took off a few times. But when the ball came out, it looked good. Could easily have had two or three TD passes. And with more game time, there's every reason to feel confident about this season. The defensive performance was much improved. Though I don't know how much anyone can expect from the Chargers Offense this season. Only major concern was the line, especially Bobby Hart. It's uh, bad enough putting him out there when we when we were at the end of Dalton's time in Cincinnati, but to put him in front of Burrows, whose development as a QB, not to mention his health, depends on him having the time and confidence to stand in the pocket, is negligent. Everything <laughs> we do is to be protecting and nurturing Burrows so his extraordinary <laughs> talent can blossom. There we go. Uh, Duncan at dastardly Duncan.
0: Solid handle. Uh,
3: overall, I thought the defense looked much better. One or two blips, but certainly a big improvement on last year. The offense looked like a team with a rookie QB, stroke, left tackle, and no pre preseason. I think if we played the Chargers at any other time than that first game, we'd beat them. Grade B plus. Oh, and less said about Hart and the multiple full starts, the better. Jam at Baggett Disco.
0: Solid handle.
3: have to say that the left sa- left-hand side of the line looked pretty good, especially considering Michael Jordan didn't look great last year. And Jonah Williams didn't play a snap. The right, sa- right side of the line, well, I'm sure that'll be covered by other replies. The
0: defence looked good too.
3: Um,
0: Son, i got a question for you. Go on then. At Palmer 4, solid handle. Yeah. Um,
3: <laughs> giving yourself won that a game. solid handle.
0: Yeah. Would we have won that game if Andy Dalton was playing quarterback?
3: Oh, there's a question. I'm going to say no. And I i just think Dalton's... Dalton did do it occasionally, but certainly under Marvin, that those two-minute drills were never uh, one of their strengths, really. But yesterday... I was just absolutely gobsmacked at how brilliant that last drive was. Um, so, I don't know, maybe Dalton would have hit AJ in stride or I, knowing I Dalton, think... it would have been slightly underthrown because um, that was always his thing, wasn't it, Andy Dalton? Slightly underthrowing AJ on the long, deeper routes. But uh, maybe, I mean, it's difficult to say, isn't it?
0: Goodness me. I reckon you'd win by about seven or eight points, I reckon. Oh, hello. I, th- I think... I think Dalton, you can't just expect Burrow. As good as Burrow is, he's not going to come in his first game and just be at the level of an average NFL quarterback. I mean, if he is, you're, you're seriously playing He's paying, uh, playing above his talent. But I think you probably do. That's no knock on Burrow. Burrow will end up being a quality quarterback in this league, I have no doubts. But I think with Andy Dalton, with, with that full... Um, arsenal of weapons with Green healthy, you know, with Uzama, Mixon and playing, and the whole you know the <coughs> offensive line actually being healthy with Jonah Williams, I think the Bengals would have turned over the charges quite comfortably yesterday. Mm.
3: Uh, we've had loads more correspondence really and uh, Dave Cass at Common Didier.
0: Solid handle
3: um pretty much the same sort of thing. In fact the consensus seems to be more or less the same. It was you know it was a devastating loss we played well in patches. Burrow looked good in patches. Um, and it's it, the general mood is quite positive, even though that loss was a bit of a, a heartbreaker. Ben Wintle at Shabba Dabba.
0: Solid handle.
3: Let's all just calm the fruit down. It's only been the first game for them, and they need time to gel. We knew it wasn't going to be sexy football in September, but as the game went on, you could see the improvement happening before our very eyes. Big up, Joe boy. Last drive was great. And I think that encapsulates everything. Ben, thank you very much. Um, And that's about it for now. Um, We're going to be back on uh, Thursday night with our week two online tailgate from 7.30pm British time, which is uh, 2.30pm in the America areas. and uh, So do join us for more uh, chaotic fun and games. And we'll be back next week with our 100th episode. How about that?
0: Mate, madness, isn't it? Absolutely, mate. You almost forget with the football going on there. You forget the uh, the old the specifics of the podcast. But absolutely crazy that that's going to be. I bloody hope it comes with a win. Come on, the Bengals. Come on. Yeah, we need a win for the 100th under- podcast.
3: Absolutely. So we are uh, going to be playing the Browns in the Battle of Ohio. A Quick thought on that, Nathan.
0: It's a big game, isn't it? I mean, they're all big games in the NFL. Obviously, divisional game. You don't want to go 0-2. The Browns look pretty damn awful against the Ravens this week. And again, you wouldn't want to, if you lose into the Browns, it doesn't give you much hope going forward based on what we saw from them this Sunday. I think it's going to be interesting. I think a lot of people made some good points in there with the correspondence on it's just the first game. They've got to get some, um, get the team gelled together. It's on the road. It's a short turnaround. Um, I don't know if Gino's going to be there. I really desperately hope he's back for that. Um, I think it's a toss of a coin, that game. I really do. I don't think there's a favourite. I think the Browns on paper have got... a a good team and you think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and Odell Beckham and obviously Miles Garrett on the defensive side of the ball but they just for whatever reason can never get it together Mayfield's been playing shocking as well I mean it's hard watching those you know those commercials of him in the stands for First Energy or whatever it is I mean it, yeah. just, it looks Alpha Progressive Insurance or whatever it is but I mean, he just is not looking like a franchise quarterback, and I'm I'm hopeful that that defense, if they can play like they did against the Chargers, against the Browns, I think we'll have a really good chance. But like I said, with the the game against the Chargers, we've got to be winning these games. These are not good teams, and I think if we've got any chance of even being in that sort of six and uh, six and ten, seven and nine realm, these are the games that are getting you there. So I really want us to get a win, get us to one and one. Get Joe Burrow playing well. Get all these fans, you know, continue building that excitement. But what would you reckon, son? What's your prediction?
3: Uh, I'm going for a home win, unfortunately. I think we'll be owned two. Uh, although I want to see a little bit more progress made. And then, you know, hopefully when we go and play the Eagles in Philadelphia, we'll be, uh, we'll be in a position to to kind of... Win a game, you know. Um, But, yeah, I think it might be quite close this week. Um, But we'll see. I mean, it could go over the way. I'm obviously hopeful that we're going to win because I dislike the Browns, I mean, arguably more than the Steelers at the moment, which is kind of saying something, really. Um, But, yeah, we'll see. Uh, We will be back next week to discuss that game and lots more. Uh, Do check out our online tailgate at half past seven on Thursday before the Browns game. Uh, But until then, it is a who day from me.
0: And a who day from me. Cheers, guys.
3: And it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the Cincinnati Bengals organisation.